Welcome, I'm John Lynch and I'm the host of The Discarded Compass, the podcast for the seasoned seeker. If this resonates, please subscribe to us for future episodes. So without further ado, sit back, relax and join me and my guest as we deep dive into the mystery of spiritual enlightenment. Welcome, folks. Welcome back to the Scar the Compass. And I'm John Lynch, of course, as you know by now. And we have two great guests with, with me today. Richard Sylvester, who I've been tracking for a while, and newly Dawn Garland, who's been on the, the scene. And uh, Dawn is Richard's partner. This is going to be a fascinating conversation because we see how we go. How are you? How are you both? Welcome. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, where do you start talking about this stuff? I suppose people just want to know about what happened. Um, Richard, you had an experience in the railway station as such, and another profound one after that. Yeah. Could you just uh, go over that a little bit for us? A little bit. Yeah, I'll try and keep it short. So there were about, uh, I don't know, about 30 years of um, rather fun-filled and desperate spiritual seeking, which kind of petered out. And uh, then there was going to non-duality meetings. And then there was a kind of a flash of something which I can't describe because nobody can. Yeah, which uh, the important thing about that was obviously it happened at a railway station. Yeah. And I sell the information about which railway station it was for huge sums of money. <laughs> and uh, then I'd say there was a year of despair, which talking to a lot of people since then seems to be fairly common. And then there was, I don't know what to call it, I'd just call it another opening Um after which I'm just going to say it was all over. And if we want to go into that in any more detail about what it it was that was all over or what any of that means, you know, then we can come back to it and talk about it more. But I think I'll leave it at that very brief description for now. And I know a lot of people who are, you know, who might listen to this might, you know, find at least some of that familiar from their own experience. Yeah. Dawn, and yourself, what happened or what didn't happen as such? Well, initially, so I didn't know really anything about non-duality. So there was just um, one day where I, um, I I noticed that I wasn't thought. And I thought, that's weird. Everybody must know this. Like, so, and then I think about around the same time, I was like, um, there's no person, there's no body, there's nothing like, um, so the whole physical seemed to have almost evaporated. And there was this sort of, and I thought something awful had happened. So this kind of equilibrium kind of set in, but I'd, I'd kind of lost my, it was almost like rudderless life. So all my desires kind of fell away. And so I was just going through life and I, about a year later, I think maybe, um, I, did come across non-duality uh and um yeah i had about a couple of months later i had the sort of seeing of love and um it just seemed like a sort of stepping into sanity like so the mind just went and there was seeing of nothing and everything and there was just love and it just blew me apart i couldn't i couldn't understand language initially and i it, it actually happened when I was in a restaurant. So I was with my partner at the time and I was just sort of sitting there going, 
I could see him talking and it was just like, my God, you know, how small speech was like, like there's this and then there's somebody trying to talk about something so serious, you know, and it's like, wow, but you know, it's no word could touch this. Like, so I was just blown apart and the mind kind of fell away and didn't come back. I mean, I had virtually no thought at all for a few years and now it kind of comes and goes, but yeah. So a lot of times sitting on benches or just staring out windows. Um, yeah. Very nice. It's fascinating. That's fascinating. It yeah, it took a long time to know what the hell had happened. So there's a lot of doubt and all that as well. But yeah. yeah, you mentioned something about language not being able to describe this, which which makes sense in a particular way. Because how can you describe something that's greater than the mind in a way? Your Suzanne Segal, uh, she had a story of an awakening. It just reminded me of that, but hers was a terrifying experience trying to integrate this as such. And she got help from psychotherapists and your psychotherapist, I think yourselves as well. And so you'd, you'd have an insight into things, but this was even greater than anything that could be taught about the mind and stuff. Like, how did you deal with that, Dawn? Like, how did you integrate it? It, it, it was easy, as in, it was just so beyond any struggle. But to actually talk about this and own it was, was very difficult because I, I, di- I just didn't, I could, I, I just couldn't own it and I couldn't talk about it and I didn't talk about it. And then it was only about two and a half years ago, really, I started talking, being more open about it because I had, it was after a series of visions and other kind of energetic phenomenon that, that there was this massive integration that kind of took place and it just took me, just really changed me. I mean, the psychological stuff really, really changed to make me, I think I got in touch with other feelings that I had and it, it made me kind of, um, kind of fearless to, to talk about this in a way, like, whereas before I'd been held back, it's like, it's not something that I should, talk. I don't know. I had a lot of um, inhibition about talking about it. Mm. So that's out the window now, sort of. <laughs> and R- Richard isn't going to, he's not going to tell me what that railway station is. I'm trying to guess here, but anyway, probably, but anyway, Richard, you had a you second. <laughs> Anybody out there, all you have to do is buy the book. <laughs> but um, secondly, you you had another experience after the first thing that happened yeah. in the railway station. And it, it sort of, Dawn reminded me that it sort of integrated you into, into your, your your current way of life, you could call it, you know? Yeah, maybe, yeah. I mean, the way I describe it, and I mean, I know the, the trouble is, you know, this happens in so many different ways for so many different individuals. But I know also that what happened here was kind of was fairly common. I've talked to quite a few people who've experienced it in the same way. It's like there can be this a, a, a initial opening, and the way I describe it is it's, it was it, the emptiness of everything is seen. And the kind of the importance of that maybe partly is the emptiness of this, the emptiness of the self. So it's everything, everything that seems to be out there, which is the world, but also everything that seems to be in here, which is the self, is just completely empty. And it's um, a hell of a shock and it can bring about huge kind of changes, but it's incomplete. And so it can often leave the um, individual as it did with me, in despair, because it's like there's been a glimpse of something which has then been taken away. But in the realisation that comes 
in that glimpse. It's like seeing that there's nothing I can do to get back to that. You know, all those years of spiritual seeking, I thought there's something I can do to get to some whatever the goal is. I don't know what it is, but it's out there and there's something I can do to get it, to get to it. And in that split second of opening, it's like, oh, my God, there's nobody in here who can do anything. So I think that's what kind of accounts for the despair that sometimes felt. And then later on here, as with many other individuals, there's just a kind of... All I can say is a sort of fuller opening. Uh, and I suppose the heart of that, what seems to make it different, the easiest way I can see it, say it is that in that fuller opening, love is seen. And it turns out that's what was missing from the first opening. First opening is kind of, wow, amazing, but love isn't seen. And in that second opening, love is seen. And whatever happens after that, it just seems to bring an end to seeking. There's just no possibility of, well, here anyway, there just seems to be no possibility of seeking after that, whatever happens. Pre-event, you could say, you're being done. We're always being done. Would that be the, the take by the two of you? We're always being done. Like by a power greater than ourselves as such? Yeah, it's a way of pushing it. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Um... I think that's part of the shock for me is that, sense of oh my god there was never anybody here doing it so yeah this was always if you like being done yeah 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 but that, that emptiness thing i mean it's not it's not pleasant without the fullness i mean it's just not there's nothing pleasant about it at all or interesting actually in that i for me i don't see that as you know people are quite fascinated by that aspect of things but in a way it's kind of the, the love's a juicy bit, I guess. Mm. I mean, without that, it's dull, really. It's, it's, it is a loss. Um, not an unpleasant loss, but it's, yeah, it's strange. It's, it is not pleasant and not unpleasant, I suppose. It depends on the person's probably trajectory and where they're coming from and, and the life they're living, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. There's nothing. It's that, it's that weird thing of not being able to own anything or it, it's strange, you know. And then, it, then suddenly it isn't because I think the love, because it brings the intimacy in and that makes sense of everything like that. It's kind of is like a desert period. Mm. And you, you mentioned like intimacy. I like the, the phrase of into me, I see, you know, and you mentioned there was feelings that you never knew you had before. That must be quite, that, that must be really interesting in fairness, just to feel things you never felt before, to, to know aspects of yourself that you never thought were there or such. Well, well, I was, I was, um, for a, for a 10 year period, um, I really, really suffered. I mean, I, um, and I wasn't able to, to get close to anyone during that period. I'd really been wounded quite badly. This, the, the heart being open like that, suddenly I was able to do that. So it was such a relief in a way it was like, for me, it was, it was massive, but, but then, you know, then there was spiritual bypass as well, which I didn't realize about like that's. I mean, that, that, that's massive, but then it doesn't, during that honeymoon period, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be hard on anyone who just sinks into that, just sink into just being with the peace and just being with the love because there's nothing to work with. There's nothing. You're just so empty and just so, just sitting on your arse is fantastic, you know? Mm. And I think there's a lot of healing in just doing that. You know, when you want to look at things, you look at things if you want to, but 
the, that initial opening for me, one one thing it did bring, it brought a huge amount of like, I'm going to call it mental clarity, all sorts of things on a mind level just went bang, 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 bang into place. So all sorts of things that I um, puzzled over for years as a spiritual seeker suddenly kind of made sense, you know, but there was just this is a kind of cold sort of emptiness. So there was a lot of sitting for me during that year, but it was a kind of sitting in despair. It wasn't a it wasn't a peaceful sitting. But then when the fullness had been seen, then and in fact since then, there has been a strong tendency, um, yeah, just to sit. And it's a kind of, you know, it's an, it's amazing. I kind of I think I've sort of written about it and mentioned in talks quite often, you know, just the sheer unbelievable joy of watching paint dry, sitting and watching paint dry. And I think I've even mentioned that sometimes I like watching paint that's already dried. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's no comparison between that kind of sitting in what was just emptiness and Mm. despair and then the kind of sitting when fullness has been seen. So you could say there's two aspects to awakening. I, I, I hate using the words awakening and things, but we have to put labels on stuff for people to understand. There's a sort of the, everything is nothing and everything is full. It kind of hinges around those two. Well, I would, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be seen separately like that. I mean, yeah. I've talked to people where the whole thing's been apprehended in one, but that's sometimes what happens, yeah. A lot of people reach for uh, the path like I did through suffering. And it seems, you know, you're, you're put to the pin of your collar and there's, there's no way out really as such. So you go looking for answers, maybe. Uh, I did anyway. Um, what can happen is some amazing things can happen. Yeah, psychotherapy is coming into my mind as well, because I think you're both psychotherapists. Am I right? Don is the one. Yeah. yeah. OK, so, you know, that's to do with sort of, I call it, uh, trimming the branches of the ego, isn't it, in a, in a way, or, or trying to build another bit of a foundation under the person as such so they can they can live properly. But enlightenment is like taking it out by the root, isn't it? How can they, can, can they be integrated in a way? Um, you know, you, you can still be looking at life through a distorted lens, like as in you, you can still be seeing reality through a distorted, not, not reality as in, big reality as in nothing and everything but um so you you could be there's a lot of things that can um you you could be blissed out totally empty not a thought in your head and um be open to love and and have a loving relationship but you won't be able to tell the difference between someone who's abusive and not abusive or there's there's stuff like that that needs to be corrected your idea of what's right and what's wrong and creating boundaries and all that sort of thing can be completely missing after this so I think the finding your own kind of authenticity or your own kind of sovereignty is something you've got to do. Uh, you know, um, finding your own voice in this is actually something you've got to do because I don't think everybody does do that. And I think that's why, you know, people saying that consciousness is fundamental. And now more recently people are coming and saying, well, that's not the case. You know, there's a lot of change in what people are saying in non-dual circles as well. And I think actually really being true to your own experiences is is something you've got to really think think about and, and and getting in touch with your emotions your real experience is is what 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 gets you to that point i think 
in, in my experience, that's been that. And it goes with the literature like that. Yeah. So. And that definitely is not spiritual bypassing that way, is it? That's really like hitting it full on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I did spiritual bypass. So, you know, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But anyone can, I think you can resolve these things much quicker after awakening. You can just see it. And it's like the process just happens. Um, you know, yeah, you can talk to people, whatever, but it can happen quite, quite quickly. Uh, can can I ask what's it like to awakened people together? Because this is sort of a relationship that anybody would be enlightened would love to have, like two awakened souls together, as such. Like life must be amazing in some respects uh, to to be on a level uh, because Dawn's in touch, you're in touch with with yourselves. You know, it's it's I, I'm sort of fascinated by that aspect uh, of the two of you. What's it like? A usual relationship works on mind and what one person can do for the other. And sometimes it turns out into a business uh, deal. You know, if you're like this, I'll be like, this. it gets kind of, it works in a dysfunctional pattern sometimes maybe that people fit together and, you know, they dysfunctionally fit together. In your case, you're operating from a different level altogether, I presume. Um, well, I, I think that the, 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 for, for me, it would be, there's not the need. So there's no, uh, the neediness has kind of gone. So there's not this, like, I don't know, people are so, you know, texting each other, phoning each other or, you know, what, are, you know, all that kind of, what are you up to? You know, that's, that's not there. So it's, it's a kind of relief to not have someone on your case all the time. I think it's a, it's a lot more straightforward in that sense. Um, and also explaining the different states because I'm, gone in some samadhi fucking whatever Richard knows and (laughs) 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 whereas I can't explain that to anybody else like no that's fascinating like Richard sitting on the chair blissed out and you're in samadhi somewhere in the kitchen (laughs) (laughs) or in a different chair in the same room yeah yeah I need to remember that yeah that's um, what might be manifesting in another person you know that might be manifesting something completely different but with all it's a manifestation of a samadhi state yeah I find it really I mean it's completely unlike any other relationship I've had you know, and um, it's difficult for me to put into words what that difference is. I mean, obviously, also we are, you know, with different personalities, and so obviously it's going to be any relationship's going to be different different to any other relationship. But there is something about this which is, uh, it's a bit like trying to explain, you know, the impossibility of trying to explain what seeing this is like. It can't be done. It's also impossible for me to explain or describe what the difference is in this relationship to any relationship I've had previously. You know, it's just, you know, it's a different quality. And I could say it's like, well, there's something missing, but it's something which I'm very glad is missing. I mean, there's also something else which is present, which wasn't present in previous relationships, which I'm very glad is present. But, you know, there's, it's like... But don't ask me to explain what that is in either case. You know, there's something that's missing, which I'm glad isn't there, and there's something at present that I'm glad is there, because it just can't be put into words. The neti-neti thing seems to be the basis of non-duality, would I be right? And is that the right way to approach it? See what you're not. You want to tackle that? (laughs) Whoever likes to come in, I don't mind. It's fine. There's no way of approaching it, like... 
seeing what you're not you talking about the nitty the nitty nitty actual approach. I'm not this. I'm not the body. I'm not the thoughts. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know? but, I mean, I think I think if I had done a practice like that, I think that would have confused the hell out of me. But I, what I, can, I can normally guess and 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 things like self inquiry and stuff. I think would have just been confusing. I don't know what to say about that. Um, I don't know what people get out of that. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I've gone into self-inquiry a little bit and I just find it completely baffling. I just think that is not something for me. Um, yeah, not this, not that, that kind of, I mean, if I call it a practice, again, I just feel like, you know, whatever it holds for people, I am not one of the people that it holds anything for. But I do have a long history behind me of meditation and I, you know, love. I, I have loved meditation for a long time. Um, what I would stop at, however, is I would not make any cause and effect connection between meditation or self-inquiry or anything like that, any practice. I wouldn't make a causal connection between any practice and, you know, what happens, this kind of opening or awakening, whatever we want to call it, that happens I think it's very tempting to make connections, but I'm unable to. And I think the core of why I'm unable to is because it seems to me that, you know, part of the essence of that opening is to see that there never was anybody here who was ever doing anything. And so, you know, whether this is seen or isn't seen doesn't seem to me to have anything to do with anything that this thought it was or thinks that it is. You know, and uh, that is kind of very challenging to the mind. And I've been involved in some pretty tough arguments with people around this, which is kind of quite natural. It's difficult to describe life. I mean, we're, we're human beings. We have a, we're sort of self-conscious, you could call it. Nature sort of isn't. Um, is that where we're going wrong? I mean, do we need to, um, how, do we, how does someone approach this again? It's like people are trying to become something that they already are and would i be right they're already free would that be correct that they're yeah i mean everything's already perfected in a sense but then that's not recognized and and energetically the shift is an energetic shift when it is recognized so in a sense nothing changes but but everything changes too so yeah it's it's being released from the the madness of the self and the the self-obsession that that is the energetic shift and it's just then you're suddenly you're you're where you are you're not somewhere else so that's it's a relief and that's the rest and that's the peace um and would there be a natural programming left in the body after awakening as such i'm sort of a creative type and that seems to be naturally inherently there you know something that won't shift and it is fine do you find there's some sort of inherent programming in, in people even after awakening? And what's what's the difference between the structure that fell away and what's left? Well, program that falls away. I mean, just the, like I say, a lot of things do fall away. It, it depends if if it, if it's emotional. The heart being open solves a lot of problems. But like I say, if there's issues, there, there'll still be issues left in that. Like so. Uh, you, you know, you might have trauma responses, you might be a phone response, or you might get uh, emotional flashbacks still, um, which could obscure the fact that you're awake. I mean, some people get that. Um, they could be in an abusive relationship and not even know they're awake because somebody is constantly triggering them. That can happen. So 
Um, yeah, so things like that can remain in the body because that's not in the mind as well. The trauma is in the body, so um, it can. So yeah, and, and issues can remain. It depends what the issues are, but. Can I go back a step as well to what you're talking about just before that? Sure. Because in a sense, of course, yes, I mean, there is already and only freedom. Of course there is. But to say to someone where, you know, that isn't being seen, well, you know, this is already freedom, you are already free or whatever. I mean, it's, in a way, it's senseless, you know, because it, 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 it may be heard, but it can't be understood. Well, it may be understood, but it can't be got because it doesn't really matter whether it's understood on a mind level anyway. That's irrelevant. And so, yeah, there is a kind of, um, there is a trend of communication about this that kind of says, well, this is already freedom and then stops there. Well, you know, fair enough. But, you know, to to this mind here, <laughs> it's kind of issues forth words. I just feel, well, yeah. But it's, it's annoying in a way, like people mm. that can't, because yeah. if, if they could, if they could see the perfection that's right, you know, that everything is already realized, that they wouldn't be hung up on non-dual speakers thinking that they have something extra because it's not a mind thing that they have. So they don't have any authority and they don't have any particular wisdom. They really don't. There's nothing to stop them thinking for themselves and, and becoming much more much more authentic than any speaker, to be honest. It's not, the gain is not through the mind. It just isn't. So I, I think it's a real shame that people get stuck in this striving to want that. And actually it doesn't, it doesn't make you a better person. It really doesn't. That's, that's the shame because seeking is painful. Yeah. So one of the core things that often happens when this is seen is that a lot, maybe not all, but a lot of our projections fall away so our tendency to see somebody out there who's got something that I haven't got and that I want so I put them on a pedestal and I treat them as whatever a spiritual teacher or a guru or whatever and I sit at their feet and you know that is quite likely to collapse I mean there's no absolutes about this so it might not but it is pretty likely to collapse and take a lot of our other projections with it when this is actually seen. But I, I think if you don't own it, I just to say, like, I don't, I think if you don't own this and express it in some way, you might retain a bit of that projection. So you still might be beholden to someone who's talking about this or see them in some subtle way as an authority. So I think there's something about at least expressing this to, I don't know, to someone, a non-dual speaker or writing about it or talking about it with your friends, doing something to really integrate it is, is really good. That's resonating a lot with me, actually, personally, what you're saying. Well, if you've got a kind of community around you, I mean, we're very lucky here in London or close to London because there's a community to be able to talk about this with, which is great, yeah. Well, there there can also be a kickback if if you leave the fold, um, leave the spiritual arena, you know, or the, a group or something, or the claws can come out because somebody's got enlightened, maybe. Um <laughs> And there's no such thing, really. That's the booby prize, isn't it? I, I think going back to something, Don, you, you kind of said it in some way that you know it's it's a path unique to the in, the individual, uh, left to the pattern that's left. In some ways, it's a lonely road, isn't it? And I suppose it does help to gravitate towards people. But here, it's sort of you're left with your own devices. Dawned on me through my search um, that it was like, oh, 
this is this is absolutely my own path you know i got no help here or such and th- there was a different there was a different feel to that you know yeah you got to step into your courage like you, yeah. you, you've got yeah. with this and and, and and that sometimes comes for me. I had to get in touch with my anger. It was something I never had. I was, you know, I, I just never had, was able to access that. Just like to, to, to get in touch with all, all the deeper emotions, emotions I didn't like to really be able to express this and to, to, to talk about it in my own way. Yeah, I think, I think it is hard and it is coming, coming into your own authority is, is, but the courage comes with it, like it really does, and, that, and that's transformative. And then you don't give a damn about awakening because awakening is—it's neither here nor there. After a certain point, it's like you know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's not about that anymore. Somehow, mm. you know. Yeah, and what about the 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 locus of control, like free will? Uh, I make I make decisions. People would normally think I I make a decision. I'm in control of my life. What where does that happen for you both? Uh, just going back to what you were previously saying i think yeah you can there can be a lot of spiritual blowback from this and i mean i i mean i i i have had a very very angry buddhist on my case from my past because i'm not getting any details which i really have so yeah in the, the spiritual world it can generate a lot of anger it's sad, because it seems to know negate so much of what is valued mm. in that world and now what was the next question oh free will free will Oh God! Oh, no. um, I know, I know, it. but I have to bring it in, don't I? Like you know, you do have to bring it in. Well, forget it. You know, forget free will. It's a dead, it's a dead duck. Will that do? It, it doesn't matter. No, it, it, doesn't, it matter. doesn't matter. And and it, you know, and there is stuff. What a change! There's stuff you can do if you don't know what you want. You you can meditate, get in touch with your emotions, because without your emotions, you won't be able to know what you want anyway. So you know that there's things you want to get healthier. Get, get express yourself more you know there's loads of stuff you can do to get you know if you've got emotional flashbacks and stuff just to, to learn to, to have somebody you can express something with to emote with and not just sitting with your feelings but really expressing them as well you, you start to mm. be able to think and feel at the same time stuff like that there's there's loads you can do you know in a sense to to change things and to, 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 to link these two things up, I mean, a yeah. lot of that spiritual blowback is about, you know, daring to say that there is no free will because free will is such a, it's kind of like the holy of holies on the spiritual path. It's the holy of holies anyway for individuals, but particularly on the spiritual paths. And, you know, if you look at the kind of more extreme ones that are developing on the American continent, you know, like the laws of attraction, the secret, the cosmic ordering service, we have ultimate power over our reality. Everything that happens in our reality is because of my own precious free will or whatever. It's a tremendous insult to that to suggest that it's possible to see through free will. So, yeah, a lot of the kind of you know, you're hearing about, if you hear about people being thrown out of their guru groups and their meditation groups and their spiritual groups because of this, a lot of it will be around that particular question. You know, how dare you question this precious gem that we each have inside us of free will? It's going back to the fact of like, uh, it depends on the person who's hearing the message. Can you actually get a feel for people's thinkings? Because you've seen through the thinking patterns yourself. Would you actually... 
could you actually feel someone's uh, thought processes in some way? Do you get an idea where the person's coming from? Is it easier to help people, maybe? Well, only because there's more space, I would say. I mean, are you talking about being able to, like that empathing of feeling other people's feelings? or, well, or just, no. I sort of, I'd be some way empathetic in some respects, but having seen through the hooks of the thinking patterns. Oh, um, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. where they get hooked on. It simplifies the mind, doesn't it? And you see people getting yeah. caught in a lot of rationalizations and they can't just say a thing. It's all very complicated to accept things as they are. And this is how it is. But, you know, it's actually very difficult. So you're starting from a, a much easier point um, to, to, to change things or to look at things. Or And you said it simplifies the mind. That really sprung out at me there. And the mind, we think it's massively complicated, but it's only sort of one thought deep, is it? One thought deep, yeah, it is. It is, and it's not, and it's, it's all okay. And you're so much more aware of what's going on in that anyway when it's there. And it's, yeah, it's not, it doesn't impact the same way at all. And the collapse of projections is also relevant here because to the, you know, whatever extent our own projections collapse, then it's just kind of becomes obvious in a way, you know, that we see where other people are at more clearly because if we're looking at other people through these great clouds of our own projections then that's what we're seeing we're seeing our own projection we're not seeing what they are i think that can annoy people though because 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 there's no authority you're not seeing it in anyone and so you you you, you know when you, you do start thinking for yourself it's like well you know, you're not you're not buying anybody really what they say. If it doesn't resonate, it doesn't resonate. Out, out it goes. It doesn't matter whether it's Carl Jung or I don't know Joe Bloggs. It doesn't matter. It's like we're all the same. You know, same one. It's just one mind, isn't it? Operates fairly similarly. Uh, this overthrows all authority. It overthrows all authority. Authority becomes meaningless. The authority of institutions like churches and temples, also the authority of great people. Yeah. We have that as well. We have the collapse of, of certain uh, traditions, like here in Ireland, there would be a collapse of the church, as far as I could see. Um, and, you know, there's a collapse of uh, the financial system. You've got the cryptocurrencies, DeFi, all these aspects of, of you know, uh, technology are happening. And there's collapse of banking. banking. Um, are, we're in some, I, I think we're in, in some sort of a change r- right now. Maybe non-duality and this sort of teaching, as we could call it, has its place now. Well, it's becoming more common, isn't it? But I don't think it solves everything. <laughs> but it's, you know, I think people do think it's going to solve everything. I don't think it will. Not on its own. I think, you know, because if people still remain repressed and everything else, I don't think it will. If 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 a lot of people embrace this, I, I, we're getting into sort of what Eckhart Tolle says, you know, our new art, you know, is coming into my mind. It's hard to keep away from that subject. And some gurus would, would bash Eckhart, you know, uh, you know, it's a ridiculous concept for, for an awakened being to, to try and introduce, to reshape society again after, after coming out of it as such. Is it needed, would you think? Well, if you have a, you, you know, instead of having psychopaths running the world, you have awakened psychopaths. They'd be more dangerous. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I th- you know, as long as you remain an awakened doormat, you're, you're going to be enabling the awakened psychopathy running well i don't know like I, that's what i mean there's there's you need to be in touch with who you are as you know in the, in the personal realm though nobody owns that there is no person etc but you still need to know 
who you are, being touched with your emotions and, and able. That's that's how you come into ethical being because I don't think that's a given. Not with this. You're more empathic. You're more loving. You're more compassionate. But learning what's right and wrong that comes from from knowing that that comes from the story that's not big in the non-dual circles, but actually the story is really good to give reality tests to what people are saying and to know the difference between right and wrong and stuff. That's where I'm coming from. And there's a sort of integrity and authenticity about this, uh, what I'm hearing, you know, would you put that in words on it? Yeah, but that's, that, that's, that's learned and that's mine. That's awakening in mind. That's not the, this, but I think that's something that needs to happen as well. I was going to say there's two great stories or narratives that humans seem addicted to, and they're opposite stories. One is that we're all going to hell in a handcart and everything's getting worse and worse and we're, you know, careering towards the ultimate catastrophe. And the other, of course, is that everything is kind of, you know, directing itself towards some marvellous conclusion and kind of paradise and heaven on earth and I mean all I'll say is they're both you know wherever Eckhart Tolle stands on either of those I'm not quite sure um but uh, they're, they're, they're both equally stories you know they're just they're narratives that you know we like to entertain ourselves with meanwhile what is is you know sometimes things are a bit worse sometimes they're a bit bit, bit better but everything is as it is what about time, time, Richard? What, what, what's your, your take on that? I mean, really, it, it's the biggie, isn't it? Like, if it's the biggie, I think free will is the well, you think Free will is number one, right? Well, I think they're really two biggies. But okay. if you want the Holy Trinity, we can Go throw on. in time. Yeah, all I can say about that is that um, there is something about, you know, in the the, see, in the the dropping of the self, the seeing of this, whatever the hell that means, it, all I can say is time is seen through. It's just seen that this is timeless. There is no time. There is no time. And then, of course, the challenge from the uh, member of the audience who's feeling a bit arsy on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> is, are you telling me that you didn't have breakfast this morning and didn't get the train to come here today? To which, you know, the only answer I can make is, yeah, there is a character who apparently lives in time. Of course. Of course there is. Of course there is. And yet there is just... The timeless, there's the eternal timeless. And in a way, one of the things I often say is, in a sense, this is one of the most challenging things that you can say that there's no time. Because you say, obviously there is. Yeah, there is to the character, because that's what the character swims in. The character is like a fish swimming through water. The character swims through, through time. And yet, I also suggest that in another sense, it's kind of perfectly obvious. You know, that there is, as a lot of people say, who are talking about this, there is just this. Because that's what timelessness means. No past, no future, just this. You know, and if that sounds like an astonishing metaphysical statement, it isn't, you know, in a sense. You know, one of my phrases, I say, in a sense, it's kind of a statement of the bleeding obvious in a way. So even though this has memory and expectation and knows what it was doing this morning and expects to be having supper tonight or whatever, that's the character. And yet it's also obvious that there is just this, no past, no future, always eternally, irrevocably just this. 
in which there is no time. And the past is very lovely. <laughs> when this is seen, I think it's very lovely as well. So, yeah. It's a mystery, you know. And, you know, if anyone's listening to this and puzzling over it or whatever, well, forget it. What does it matter? You know, if, you, if you're at a bus stop, maybe the bus will turn up. Maybe it won't. You know, maybe there's time in which the bus will turn up. Is, is our focus on, on, on objects and things and ideas too much? It seems like we're, we're caught in, it's a bit like life's a movie and it's on a screen, you know, and the screen is timeless and, and the movie isn't. But the movie is only an appearance and life is only an appearance. And it's a bit like, you know, for, for there to be time, there has to be timeless. I don't know. Like, I do, uh, life is precious. I mean, it's so precious and the story is precious as well. Uh, I mean, that, you know, you don't have to abandon that. It, it's beautiful. And it, it's also, I mean, the insight you've got into your own when you've seen this, you've got so much insight into everybody else's. And all that story of suffering, it's beautiful, you know, but it's redeemed as well because there is no real failure in there. There's no, you know, all of it's okay. So all of it's accepted and it's beautiful, I think. So, I, you know, the, the whole personal experience, I think, is, is great and not, not to be discarded or seen as anything less because that's what we've got, you know. You know, life just goes on as before. It's experienced slightly differently. But, but, but yeah, no. So yeah, I'm careful with that one. Sometimes people say that. Sometimes people say that this communication oh, is very cold. It's mm -hmm. very cold. Yeah, it's yeah. The opposite. Absolutely the opposite. Yeah, it, it's refreshing to to hear you talking about that actually, um, because you know it can be cold. You know, you introduce yourself. Well, it, what's the story? There's nobody there. It never has been. There's no one there, and that's it. There's no one there, and that's the end of it. Thanks. You know, it's like. It's, um, yeah, there's something resonates there, Dawn, what you're saying. And Richard, you're right. I think it can be called, and just in my, 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 my side of life would be kind of like the creative aspect. Why don't I just create the best picture I can? I know it goes in the bin at the end of the day, along with the, the scribbly note, you know, it goes in the bin too. And all the bookcases fall down, no matter what sort of stories they have. Why not paint your life as great and as fantastic as you can make it anyway? You know? Oh, yeah. Because that, that desire, I mean, the desires that fall, I mean, after the honeymoon period, there, there, there often is that desire to, to self-actualize as well. Because, you know, the, the desires that fall away tend to be the metaphysical ones anyway. So the more kind of intrigue and drama types were the, the, the desires that come back or the things that, you know, maybe gifts and maybe things you were actually good at that you, you, you got overlaid with conditioning. So you, you, maybe your self-esteem isn't so low now that you can actually bring your life into alignment with those original kind of gifts and stuff that you had. I think it's, it's beautiful. And if you don't, if you ignore the story, you're not seeing what, what was there, what was there that you left because of suffering or that was overlaid by suffering or overlaid by your parents saying, da -da -da, you can't do that or whatever. I think it's, it's great. And you know, you can change your life with this as well. Yeah, I, I like that fact that that's where you're coming from, you know. Like, you know, if there's nobody there and that's it, like, wh why not? Why not live a fantastic life as well? I mean, Oops. you know, why not? It just makes sense. I mean, why? <laughs> is there something wrong with doing that if it's false? You know, I, I would say to certain teachers, maybe not to you. I'm just saying as in some people would say, you know, there's nobody there and that's the end of it. An end of story. 
you know, sitting a rock in a nappy, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm hope as well. And actually, hope has its place. It's just, you know, some people have malignant hope as well when, you know, where, where they can't give up on something. But hope can be beautiful too. And I think a lot of people are darn on that. Yeah, I mean, it's all allowed, all of this stuff. And you can bring back a lot of stuff that you did neglect, like because you know, energetic experiences aren't very important, et cetera, et cetera. Bullshit, you know, they're very exciting actually. Um, and you can learn a lot from them too. So there's lots you can bring in. Yeah, this allows everything. This allows everything. And, you know, in a, probably in a fairly obvious way, that can also be very, very challenging to people because it allows everything, including everything that we don't want as well. Yeah, and that's where spiritual bypassing can be seen too, yeah. If we don't want certain aspects, we're running into spirituality to avoid certain things, maybe, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I like the thing of everything is allowed. That's where I kind of would see things as well. It's quite when amazing. I came across this communication, yeah. I didn't understand, I didn't understand anything at all. I don't know how long, well, maybe I never understood any of it, but I really sat there puzzling, puzzling, puzzling. There's something about it that hooked me, but I couldn't understand it. But I did get that, that after spending many, many years around different spiritual groups, there was just such an air of freedom around this because there was none of that kind of spiritual uptightness crap. And freedom is is the freedom is the thing, and people don't want to be free. I think a lot of people they want something to to hook onto that they can claim to be theirs. And as soon as they claim something, in my eyes, it's dead, isn't it? What would a dead What's a dead concept worth? I mean, yeah, some some certainly some religions and some spiritual paths and like that. They're straitjackets, yeah, into which we willingly place our arms and say, "Go on, buckle me up at the back, so I can't move anymore." Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's great with that. I sort of think of the concepts and the whole looking for the sacred and, and actually visually seeing the sacred. I mean, wow, it, you know, when awakening happens, if, if that's visible, it's like, wow, it's actually it's actually known by looking. It's like the stillness and the the beauty that's there when you're not there is 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 just amazing. Yeah, yeah, all the spiritual texts, it just. They cannot, yeah, they can only point at that, I guess, but they don't, yeah. The shock of seeing that everything is sacred, the shock of that, and the shock of seeing that, you know, everything is still, it doesn't matter how much it's moving, everything is stillness, and the shock of seeing, uh, you know, everything or everything, recognising that everything is silence, it doesn't matter how much noise it's making, everything is silence, and then that thing, okay, so I spent, you know, three years sitting in a monastery halfway up a mountain in order to experience stillness and silence, and there's just as much stillness and silence in Piccadilly Circus or the middle of Birmingham. Yeah, people kind of, they say, you know, nature's with trees and things like that. And that's what cities are built with. They're built out of nature, aren't they? I mean, it's the same thing. Everything is nature, isn't it, in, in some way? Yeah. But, um, in actual nature, it is kind of more obvious. I mean, there's something about staring at a tree that is <laughs> nicer than, like, yeah, it, I don't know, it, it, the energy of that is just, I mean, there's something about the Samadhi states that seems to like nature and outdoors as well. Mm. Um, I think it, you sink deeper into this somehow. It resonates more. So you'd feel more. You'd feel that more in nature, Don. Um, or or just for, oh, I feel it in cues as well. And in places where there's there, there's no 
there's nothing that can be done as well. It's, it's funny, it can go deeper. So if you're in a queue and there's nothing you can do, it tends to, like I'm saying this, but if I was in a really horrible queue, I don't know what I'd feel, but like, yeah, there's a kind of really dropping into this that seems to just go deeper. They sit and have a cup of tea, the mind just dissolves in that or being with somebody, talking, something. That can be really weird because it's just words and just a dissolving into that. I could... I could go and spend, you know, six months in a monastery halfway up a mountain and that six months in total silence and that six months could be filled with the frantic noise of my mind going and going and going. Maybe I could be standing in Piccadilly Circus surrounded by traffic and there's just silence. There's the traffic as well. There's the noise as well, but it's all just silence. That's it. That's a tremendous. I, I, I want to throw in again, you know, to a dedicated spiritual seeker as I was. That's a tremendous shock. It seems like that. it. Yeah, yeah. That there's just screaming silence is what I'm hearing. As such, there's like a scree- screaming silence. Is, is, no, is, not is, screaming, just silence. Just you know, you know what I'm, boring you, silence. You know, <laughs> there's just as much silence in you know in rush hour traffic as there is in the most ancient Buddhist monastery. There's no difference. In the same way that there's just as much stillness in the traffic roaring round Piccadilly Circus as there is in the Buddhist monastery. But it is different it's degrees. It, it, it can, well, in my experience, it it can become quite drunken, or it can become less so. So there's different degrees of drunkenness of that. You like it's not as drunken at all, but yeah. And there are preferences. I mean, like you know, like you just said. I mean, there's a preference here, maybe for sitting on a bench in in nature rather than sitting on a bench in Piccadilly Circus. But sitting on a bench in Piccadilly Circus is okay too. How how is that felt? How is that discerned? Silence and nothingness. How is it felt or seen? Well, emptiness is just seen. I mean, it's just known. And it's, it's just obvious. The silence is, is a quality and it's a quite a drunken quality. There's just um, a sinking into the emptiness. Um, how would I explain that? Um, it's a quality that's seen in everything, um, a quality of love. It's, as I'm talking about it, I'm really dropping. Um, uh, Talk about that, Dawn. You mentioned love a lot. I mean, we look at, we think love is in, you know, relationships and, but this is, Talk about, you mentioned love a lot, and I haven't heard non-dual speakers mention that much, actually. Just talk a bit more about the love that you feel uh, with that. Um, well, it's just, you know, I, I guess, I mean, that's hard to describe as well, because it's not the same as falling in love. Maybe you could maybe you could compare it to that in a little bit, just because, because I guess, because there's no otherness. So there's an... an I mean, I've heard lots of people saying loveness with everything, but there really is. And I think it's something to do with everywhere as home as well. So it's it's almost oceanic. It's like it's there's a womb-like quality to this, but it, it, it can be amplified or 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 just very, very quiet. And you know, it, it depends. It can it can really ramp up at times as well. For me, I find it it will go up and down. But yeah, it's just just that intimacy. And I, I think so when you're with somebody, you're you're so much with them whereas before you, you wouldn't be there'd be that self-obsession would be there so it's not it's just this openness um to, to all of them and to and an acceptance from where, where they where they're at or where they're coming from um even if you're telling them to bugger off <laughs> it's still there like but, uh, 
<laughs> in a loving way. <laughs> in a loving way, all so loving. It's the absolute. It's the absolute heart of this because it's. I mean. It may be there are individuals out there who experience it differently, but it seems to me that until I call it unconditional love, what the hell? Until unconditional love is seen, there isn't an end to a seeking person. That seems to be what puts an end to the seeking. To think of enlightenment for in some people, they go along this road and it's like they're going to die. Like your book is, I hope you die soon. Like what a terrible name for a book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I haven't sold any copies. I thought that I bought one. I have one. I, I was the only person. It no, was me. <laughs> what about death? I mean, you know, it seems like a terrible thing uh, to mention and people run away from it, you know? It really does take the sting out of it. And I, I wonder, like, yeah, so the fear of death seems to, to go in this. I imagine if I was facing death, I'd be terrified because I, I'm also afraid of flying. But now it's instead of the night before, it's it's when I'm actually sat in the aircraft and the, the, the engines go <laughs> revved up, I'll get frightened. And, and, and then as soon as it's up, it's fine. I'm fine. So it's, I think it's, yeah, it's different. It, it does. Because it, I, I had such existential fear of death. And I was just like, why? I, I couldn't understand why, you know, I, I thought life was so awful. How could anybody find this in any way livable? That's, that's where I was coming from. So for me, it's complete shock. Yes, somehow it doesn't seem to matter, weirdly. Yeah. Whether it's just because this isn't owned, I don't know. Because you sort of think, well, you know, death is the end of the physical, but it may not be the end of the experience. Richard, your take. <laughs> you're, you're not going to get away. You're not, I'm not, I'm not going to let you out alive with this. <laughs> Just two things come to me, if I can remember them both. You know, the mention of, of flying um, brought this to me. You know, the, you know, um, death and dying are two different things. So, you know, fear of dying or unease about dying, fear of death, unease about death, they're not the same thing. And uh, now I've forgotten what the second thing that was coming to me. Um, I think the unknowability, you know, becomes clear. And so the mind is quite likely to stop. If the mind was worrying, worrying, worrying it um, at it before, which a lot of minds do, obviously, I think it's quite likely that the mind may drop it or may drop at least some of it because, you know, the, the, the unknowability of, well, actually the unknowability of everything becomes clear. And so everything includes, therefore, the unknowability of death. And so, yeah, there can be likely to be some relaxation around that. Unless you've experienced hell. <laughs> oh, would you want to talk more about that? Okay. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shoot. Let's hear about hell. <laughs> oh, that's it. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. Because the last time I was in hell, actually, you know, it, uh, I, I just remember one of my hell experiences I thought, well, I'm out of the physical, you know, you can't hurt me. And this demon bit me. This fucking demon bit a me. Demon, like, like a demon, like a ghost demon thing. It, it, yeah, like demon. I mean, they're definitely not, they're more like a sort of William Blake picture sort of drawing sort of thing. Like, but, um, you know, they're definitely not human. And it, it bit me and it really hurt. Like, um, so I was a bit annoyed about that. Sort of thought you can't get me. Actually, if you, if you do have experience like that, apparently, thinking of the light or even praying or anything like tends to get you out of that. It seems so if you have that, just sing a hymn 
or to whatever, to whatever it takes. Don't need to believe, but just to, yeah, from, from the ND stuff. So just, just in case anybody's watching this and they're worried. <laughs> so it's a bit like heaven and hell, good and evil. Um, does that run? I don't know. These experiences happen like, um, so, I mean, I, I don't know what, what, whether they have any reality or not, who knows, but they're, they, they're, the experiences like of visions and stuff are as real as this, you know, you know, people don't like to talk about this today. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but, but it's so ev- everything, everything's allowed. <laughs> yeah, no, heaven's lovely, obviously. Uh, heaven's very, very nice. But yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't. This has all been recent for me in three, two and a half years ago. So I didn't realize it does make you wonder about this, how other dimensions, whatever, whatever this is, you know, I don't know. I've heard people talk about other dimensions as such. And one of my friends, he had an awakening and he, he said there are, there are multiple universes here. Yeah, it could be. You know, uh, which was really? quite profound. Yeah. Yeah. Don, what's your take now on seeing you seen through heaven and hell? What would your take be on life? So how, how do we approach life? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd want to go to hell. Like I've been there myself as well. So, you know, I'll skip well, that. Well, just, just uh, pray, sing. Yeah, apparently they don't like that. I don't know. Um, yeah, well, there's no one um, not to do. Uh, yeah, these these experiences just happen. I don't know. Um, approaching life, I don't know what to say to that. Uh, um, I was watching a program on on uh, sort of like consciousness and how we affect things around us, and music has a has a various a different shape. And if you meditate on water with love, it changes into crystallization form of a beautiful pattern. And, you know, it kind of like if, if everything's love and good, it changes everything around, around you as such. And if you're negative and, you know, uh, dark in a dark place, maybe that you attract that as well. Um, would you yeah. think that's true? It seems like in, in the near-death experiences, manifestation really works, that sort of thing. Like where you change reality just by a thought, like, but also in lucid dreams, I've experienced that, you know, where you want to change a scenario, you can do it by, by a thought. Why the you know, dream? Be, not always, because it doesn't always work like that. But yeah, it's much, much closer to the NDE sort of experience where the, we're, we're going into the... You're going into the, yeah, okay. <laughs> we're not, not lying. You're nearly, you were nearly going to go there, there, but you didn't. <laughs> I love this stuff. Like, I do, I find it fascinating, like... Yeah, it might be a bit much. It might be a bit much. Yeah, I I heard you talk about it briefly on another podcast, um, the heaven and hell thing, and I was like, wow, you know, um, it's uh, it's something you never hear about again, you know. Um, people do want to talk. Well, Freak's actually very good in the metaphysical stuff. Actually, I think, but that's yeah, I, I like his take on it. Pure imagination after death, you know, pure pure imagination because in a way, a dream is a spiritual experience, isn't? Nobody saying that as well, and you know, it's just just arising. So it's. And you mentioned the subconscious, that subconscious stuff can come up. That is, does that veil kind of drop between oh, the conscious mind yeah. and the subconscious? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes these experiences um, reveal unconscious stuff as well. And they really, it really hits home. And that, that's what I've experienced with it, for sure. It can be, you know, if you, you haven't integrated stuff, sometimes it'll come up in that form as well. And uh, there's no getting away from it then. Uh, that's that's been my experience it's just like you don't want to deal with stuff bang you know nah. which is quite exciting as well 
because there, there really isn't the fear around these energetic stuff, no matter how dark it is, there is at the time. But there's no yeah. judgment running there, Dawn, it seems by you. Like between good and bad, actually, that's interesting. There doesn't seem to be a judgment. You're, you're like, okay, it's exciting. And you're going, you're going, yeah, it's, it's good and it's fine. Like heaven and hell, you're going, okay, this is interesting. Uh, that's quite fascinating. There's no judgment. Uh, as long as you don't stay there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you do that at the time. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's a massive curiosity about it. Oh, it's interesting. Oh God, sorry. Go on, no. Sorry. Just... Oh, you know, you know, just just like um, what's unknowable isn't interesting, but I find it fascinating because even though we can't know for sure what this is, but and unknowable, it's not like there's someone that doesn't know as such. There's unknowable is just a word you're putting on it. It's like you know, I don't know, and it's all unknowable. That's a position again, isn't it? It, it, it there must be some sort of freedom in the unknowing, like a bewilderment of some sort. Yeah, there is. Yeah, of course, because it's yeah freedom from belief, and it's a lot less annoying when you're around someone who's like that. I'd say there's always being made into something, and then this always becomes evangelical or mm. in, in your face. So yeah, it's because because it's it just seems more more true. I mean, how the hell can you know what any of this is like? Mm. And do you, any one of the two of you don't know? Am I right? What this is. <laughs> I'm just being so something just, something just clicked with me there, you know, what you said then. Absolutely. I, I don't think I sort of realised that quite so uh, clearly before, that it's the kind of, you know, around whatever the story is, whatever the experience is, uh, no matter how kind of everyday or no matter how extreme and extraordinary, uh, it's just there's something about that freedom from belief around it. You know, and that freedom from the necessity to build, you know, a kind of story about it that I then attach myself to with desperation. And then before I know it, I've written a holy book about it and I've got a priesthood about it. And maybe I've built a stone building, which is a temple to it or whatever. It's the freedom from that. And then there's a business built around it. Yeah. Of course, yeah, of course. And then it becomes part of the power structure, you know, and then, you know, and all of that. And then you, then you, maybe somebody's a heretic, so they have to be killed. You know, the whole story. We know, we know how it works. Um, and to be free of that kind of necessity to turn, you know, what is essentially, you know, the unknowable into something which is known and pinned down. And now I can make profit and power out of it. It's tremendous freedom. Yeah. And free, freedom, yeah. Is, freedom is the buzzword. I could talk to two of you all night and I, I, I got to be mindful that you, it's, it's probably usually for an hour and things like that, but I've had the most delightful time asking you questions and, and, you know, stuff resonating and it's been fascinating. It wasn't what I expected, but it was delightfully something else. Thanks. Great. Yeah, really. I really have. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah. Hopefully you come on the show again. Um, Folks, I I meant to ask, uh, touch a bit on on the talks and uh, and things you do. Um, And you got a website first, Richard, richardsylvester.com. Am I right? That's right. Okay. And they can get details there of, of meetings you do and talks you do probably do online, Richard. Am I right? Yeah. Well, yes, at the moment, but there are hopes that there may be live talks in September in London. Obviously, it depends on the situation, but there are hopes and plans that live talks may happen in 
London in September. Do you want to say any more about that? Yep. And Dawn, um, yeah? yeah. Yeah, and I've got I've got my first one coming up in September your first, as well. Your first meeting. Yeah, so in, in London. Good, in luck. Good luck with that. Yeah, where is it, or do you know where it is going to be, or or anything? And you got a website yeah. coming up as well. It's on the meetup with uh, Philadelphia Association, so it's on the tenth. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. Great, uh, and you've got a website being made on dawngarland.co.uk. It yeah, isn't up right. running yet, yeah, but... yeah. and there there might be a meeting in Northern Ireland at some point, maybe in October. I'm not sure, but that'd be on meetup as well. There might be a Saturday afternoon later in September, also at the Philadelphia Association. But again, yeah, it, it, it's uh, because of the situation, people are going to have to look yeah. at the website or be on the email list or something like that because it's uh, still a little bit uncertain at the moment, the situation, yeah. Sure, and it'll it'll pass through, I'm sure. And uh, I'm going to put your details in the description below. And uh, as uh, again, folks, it's been really nice. Yeah, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thank nice. you for having us. <laughs> yeah, it's been good. You're more than welcome. Thanks, folks. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on our podcast, and we very much hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe for more on your chosen platform. And also, if you'd like to keep in contact, please hit us up on social media. So, folks, until next time, please take care, and we hope you join us soon.